Again, just a quick reminder, if you, d if you are interested, wanting to participate, there's uh, communion elements back on that little table uh, back in the middle section there, so uh, feel free to go get those if you haven't already. Welcome to our time together. Uh, glad that you are with us. And we continue in this uh, little mini-series on worship of the heart. It's very much like uh, if you're married, this, this time this morning is very much like that. Uh, being married, I cannot claim that I have a perfect love for my wife. I'd like to claim it, but in reality, in practice, sometimes it's not perfect. It's many times not perfect. <laughs> But as far as uh, people go, I love my wife more than anyone else. And that is foundational and relates to the very body of Christ. That Christ is the one who is our, uh, you know, we are the bride of Christ. He is the groom. And we need to respond to Him in love. And that's what it's about here this morning. And uh, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, uh, God's work in your life is drawing you deeper. That's a, a, a way to summarize sanctification. It, it's not just deeper, but it's in, in holiness, in purity. And so... That's His work in your life. And as we're going to see today, I'm, I'm not doing one passage. I'm doing kind of, here's another topical message, okay? It's kind of a, take in a number of things from God's Word and come forth with this business of true worship is about loving God. Last week we just kind of mentioned, well, true worship is responding to God from the revelation of God. Well, now we're adding to it and saying, true worship is loving God. And this is, this is really important for each one of us because of the very nature of you and I. We mentioned it in Sunday school. The very nature of you as a person is to love yourself and, uh, and draw things, you know, put yourself in the judgment seat over truth. That was something we kind of made mention of in Sunday school this morning. And so what we've done is, I mentioned it last week, we've, we've swallowed the lie of, you know, hey, do what you want to do, you know, Satan telling Eve. Um, you're, you're not going to die. In fact, you'll be like God. And that, here's some of the results of taking in that lie is that I make myself into something more than I am. And so, it's important that we um, look at these things in Scripture. And so, the, the first thing I want to address us here with us this morning, in your outline, if you want to follow along on that, um, is number one, true worship is all about loving God. Um, it's commanded. Okay? Matthew 22, 37 through 40. You know, Jesus gets tested with the question, what's the greatest commandment? Because the Pharisees would nitpick and debate over what's the greatest commandment. You know, what, what's got the greatest weight here? And, what, and, and Jesus profoundly says, here it is. And all he's doing is, is quoting Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel. And, and that's the, the Shema. Means to hear. And he, he quotes that verse. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Okay? And a lot of people like to um, uh, categorize these different areas, you know, these different things that he's mentioned and put them in categories and, and study that part and this part and this part. And you know what I want to say? It's about you. The totality of you. The wholeness of you. It's not a matter of picking up you know, and say, let's study this, and, and you know, that might be helpful. But really, 
when you when when you're saying do it with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, what is he leaving out? What is Jesus leaving out? And that's my problem. That's your problem. A lot of times we want to leave something out. Uh, um, well, I love him with all my mind. Or people will say, I love him with all my heart because I feel it, feel it, you know. But Jesus doesn't stop at one. He, he says, here's the collective wholeness of a person. So it's not, th- this passage is meant to highlight the commandment. It's not an option. It's his greatest commandment. And he uses the Greek term, here's the highest form of love. Not phileo, not eros, okay? But agape, love. Self-sacrificing love. And it's to the object of the one and only God, the Most High God, the only one worthy of our love. And I want you to really think about that business of He's the only one, only one worthy of our love. I'm not. I want to talk about worship, but right now it's about what and who do you love. And there's so many challenging things in the Bible and what other um, really helpful writers have written about what are your affections? Where are they really at? It's a constant challenge. And it's a good thing. Don't just push it aside and say, I, okay, I, yeah, I, I, I guess I love him. You know, I learned that in Sunday school. Jesus loves me, this I know. But... Now we're just on the surface of things. We're not even, we're not even attempting to draw near to him if we think that way. So this whole passage that Jesus speaks on this greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. And in Mark, I believe he adds, and your strength. Um, it's not meant for you to compartmentalize it in your life. It's simply directed at having a fully devoted love. Well, you lost me right there, Woody. I know. I don't have a fully devoted love because I have a problem. Listen, you and I as believers have a problem every day in this battle between the spirit and the flesh. Every day you do. Every day, you, Christian, you're tempted. And sometimes you fall. Sometimes I fall. But let's have the heart to say, Lord, I want to grow to love you more today. So, it's a fully devoted, not a half-hearted, not a partial, not a three-fourths, but a whole devoted love. All of you. All of you. Now, having said that, there's no really, nothing much to write there other than letter E under number one. Having said that, I acknowledge how I am prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. You know, as a pastor, I'd like to be able to, you know, Stand strong and say, I have loved the Lord in all these days of my life. Which, that's not true. And it's not true for you as a believer. And if you're not a believer, it's not true at all. Because there's been no attempt to submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You have continued to push Him away and rejected Him and not believe. When you are called, you are called to believe and repent in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, I, I admit it, letter E, I'm, I'm prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love, as the song says, as the hymn says. And just like, in so many ways, like the nation of Israel, jot it down, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 and 12, Paul writes these things and he says, Now, these things... 
which he's referring to Israel's rebellion and grumblings and wanderings. These things happened to them as an example. And they were written down for our instruction, believer. They were written down for our instruction, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. So, there's two questions I want to ask here at this moment before we move on to point number two. The first one is, am I experiencing the same kind of heart problem as the Pharisees? Why do I bring that up? Because Jesus spoke very clearly and confronted the Pharisees with the heart problem of Matthew 15, where he says, this people, you can fill it in there, this people honors me with their lips. They honor me with their lips. They've been good at, at, at reminding themselves of the right answer. They can say the right answer. They're honoring him with their lips. But their heart is what? Is far away from me. So they, they can do this out of rote, just a rote reply, a mechanical kind of response. And the, the verse that Jesus uses is quoted from the Old Testament, Isaiah. So it's true of the Israelites. Isaiah spoke that very same phrase to the Israelites. It's repeated to the Pharisees. It was true of them, their hypocrisy. And guess what? It's true of you and me. The hypocrisy in our lives. It's our nature, as, as we say. And it can become our practice as we rely on things other than the gospel. We rely on church tradition if we rely on church rituals for our worship. See, that's what we're driving to here, is loving God in our worship, in our very lives. And so we have to be on the alert to this every day, not just every once in a while. You've heard it said, a lot of people say, well, the church, I don't go to church because it's filled with hypocrites. And... Jokingly, we say, well, welcome to the club. We shouldn't really respond that way. We need to respond in love. Because we've been loved, we want to respond in love to others. So this kind of a heart problem of hypocrisy in my life and your life can lead to another deeper problem, and that is idolatry. Way too many times, I've bowed down in my life to other idols. But I don't really share that, because that, you know, you don't know it. Why bother? But there's so many times in your life and in my life, it's so easy to bow down to other idols of this world, or self-made idols of our own making. So that's a deeper problem. And that's a problem we, a lot of times we just don't want to deal with. We want to move on and just come back to church and, and, and pretend like everything's really great. And so where does, what happens with our worship? It falls flat on the ground. It's not worship. It's playing a game. It's playing a, a religious game. Keep smiling, keep showing ourselves as good people. But are we truly worshiping God out of love? So, the second question is, am I examining my heart in light of Scripture passages such as these? There's a plethora of verses that can be added to this list. You look at, just start, this is really something. Exodus 20. First thing, what does God start off with? Don't make any idols. And then he goes through the listing of the Ten Commandments. And guess what he comes back to right away after the Ten Commandments are mentioned? He comes back to his... And, and don't make any idols. 
And how many more chapters is it till Israel makes an idol of a, you know, a golden calf? What's, wow, God, you really must have known. Well, duh. He's God. He knows. And that's why he came back and repeated it. Don't you do this. I'm warning you. Don't make an idol. And we, in our day and age, we, we don't think we make, you know, we don't have problems with I don't have a, a little golden idol in my office. I, I don't have a little silver idol or whatever in my bedroom. I mean, that, that's something that people did long, long time ago. They made idols. But we're missing the point. You and I make idols from the heart. We go buy idols. We go watch idols. All sorts of things. It's everywhere. And are we on the alert? As God's children, are we on the alert for that? And so Exodus 20 gives us that warning. First John chapter 2, you can follow along on this list. Um, it says, do not love the world, neither the things in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So you can say you love God, but if you're loving the things of the world, and that means they've taken precedence over God. We don't want that. If we're true believers, we're going to say, no, I, I love the Lord. Help me to grow in that love. First. John chapter 5, verse 21. He wraps, the last thing he says in that first letter to, um, of John's uh, epistle there, he says, little children, that's for all believers, little children, guard yourselves from idols. Keep, listen, there's a little comment under 1 John five twenty-one. Keep yourselves from trusting Keep yourselves from uh, following idols. Things that you, quote, bow down to in your heart. Things that you prioritize over God. Then, uh, along with those two references in 1 John, 1 Corinthians 10, 14, Therefore, my beloved, flee idolatry. Flee it. Remember Joseph? He was being tempted by Potiphar's wife. He fled. What a great illustration. Same thing with idols. Flee idols. Flee the idols. And again, you read through the Old Testament. I mentioned this last week. You read through the Old Testament, and time after time, the people are turning back to idols. And only a few godly kings say, no, wipe that out. We're going to break that down. We're going to worship God the way we need to. And then the last one, here's, here's one of the greatest challenges for all believers. Revelation 2, 4 and 5. And the question is, have I, have you left your first love? Have I gone after some kind of, listen, listen, have I gone after some sort of spiritual affair in my life? That's what the Bible refers it to, spiritual adultery. And I know this can be heavy kind of stuff, but it's important. It's very important that we face it. We are confronted by it. And we, if, if it's happening, need to be convicted in this way. And so if I want to deal with that, Revelation 2, 5 says, here's the, the proper biblical response. Remember from where you have fallen. Remember, you were once walking with the Lord. Remember that. You were once serving the Lord, loving the Lord. Remember that. Remember from where you have fallen and repent. Repent. And do the deeds you did at first. Walk with the Lord in this. Turn and follow Him. Am I examining myself in these kind of verses when it comes to loving worship? I believe in every true Christian, you, you are desiring to worship Him out of love, not out of responsibility. 
And that's what God, I believe, God's designed us for. True loving worship. Secondly, then, let's be encouraged in this. True loving worship is the center of God's will. If you should disagree with that, let me know. We can talk about it. But here's why I say that. Letter A. God Himself is the believer's greatest satisfier. He is the believer's greatest satisfier because he is the believer's greatest joy. He is the believer's greatest delight. Psalm 23, verse 1 says, say it with me. The Lord is... Oh, come on. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There you go. Next time, be alert to Psalm 23. (laughs) I shall not want. And you could be as poor as a beggar on the street. But the Lord is your shepherd. You've got all that you need. Psalm 81. Listen to this. Hear, O my people, and I will admonish you O Israel, if you would listen to me, let there be no strange God among you, nor shall you worship any foreign God. I, the Lord, am your God who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. You think he's going to fill that with spiritual nothingness? He's the greatest satisfier in your life. No one comes close to it. And yet, what do we chase after? And then he goes on to say in Psalm 81, Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would feed you with the finest of the wheat and with honey from the rock. I would satisfy you. Mention it quickly here, John chapter 4. Jesus picks up on Old Testament reference about true living water. And he claims it for himself. He says to the woman at the well, I am the living water. Anyone drinks from this, they'll thirst again. I'm the living water. You drink of me, no one will ever thirst again. He is the greatest satisfier of man. No one comes close. John 14, verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will, get this, will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. See, and so many times we're chasing after other things and we don't let a verse like John 14, 21 sink in saturate our thinking. If we were to be here, you know, show up, I I might see you on a Wednesday afternoon. You might see me, you know, whatever. You could ask me, you loving the Lord? And at that moment, I might say, well, gee, I, I I don't feel like it. What am I doing? I'm shifting off of faith onto how I feel. I need to remember to walk in faith in the promises of God's Word. What does John 14, 21 say here? He might be loved if you are really good. No. He that has my commandments, keeps them. He's the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Very important passages here. Psalm 37, another one. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. What are you delighting in? And I, maybe I would think a number of you understand where this quote is coming from. Uh, the uh, pastor and author John Piper. When it comes to true satisfaction... Piper wrote a long time ago, he said, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in Him. 
God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in Him. And that, that relates to the passage I just read, John 14, 21. We could go on with more verses. Here's one more. Last one, okay? On this section of the message. Oh, uh, Psalm 34. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints, for to those who fear Him, there is no want. Young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. So, loving God is true worship. And true loving worship is the center of His will. And God Himself is the greatest satisfier of the believer's life. Number three, true loving worship is affirmed by Jesus. True loving worship is affirmed by Jesus. Luke 7, 36-50 gives us a story of Jesus going to a Pharisee's house for a meal. And a sinful, by reputation, a sinner, a woman, comes in and stands at Jesus' feet. He's laying down, um, got his head towards the, the table area, and, and she's behind him. And what we're about to witness is one of the greatest displays of loving worship. But it's not all, it doesn't start with, oh, you know, praising the Lord, praising the Lord. No, it doesn't start there. You know where it starts. Letter A, genuine humility. Genuine humility is where it starts. And by the way, here, this, under this point, keep this in mind. This is evidence of Christ being God. You know why? He never rejected loving worship. And in Israel, if you were being worshipped, uh, you were a blasphemer. You're, you're uh, good to go for execution. And Jesus received it. He welcomed it. And so the woman starts with, here's genuine humility. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 3, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then I would say, secondly, letter B, genuine confession of her sin. She's already somehow come to recognize her sin and admit it. Jesus said in, in his Sermon on the Mount, the next very next verse, he said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. He's talking about sin, mourning over your sin. Jot down Isaiah 57, verse 15. Isaiah 57 is a reference. Isaiah 57, verse 15, where God says, Thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy. I dwell on a high and holy place, and also with the contrite and lowly of spirit, in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. That's God's mercy towards you. Well, let her see. The woman then goes on to uh, display her adoration. Here's, here's her bowing down, kissing, uh, crying. She's crying. She's wiping his feet with her hair. And then she opens up the perfume, anoints his feet, kisses his feet. All of that shows loving worship. All of that. So, from the genuine adoration part flows the issue of letter D. Here's a genuine offering of praise and honor. All to the value of Jesus Himself. Most of you, you know, you don't need to be told that alabaster vial of perfume is very expensive. Is a, a gift of high value, of high cost for her. And she gave it to the Lord. And finally, 
Jesus shows forth this last one in letter E. There's a genuine, a genuine attitude of gratitude, of thanksgiving, right? In Luke 7, as he um, kind of uh, really ends up instructing and counseling the Pharisee, he says, uh, he, he turns toward the woman and he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. See, there's a good counseling tool for your own heart. For your own heart. Let that sink in, I, I pray. And so the, the, that last point, a genuine attitude of thanksgiving, Christ commends her for her love. And it comes forth from a heart of thanksgiving. And so she made it clear. She displayed it clearly. She was there for one reason. Here's a woman who had the reputation as a sinner, and she shows up at the Pharisee's house. In our minds, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't fit. You know, just save yourself the shame. Save yourself the looks from these other uh, religious professionals. Don't go, don't go in there. No, she went in there. And she stood. And think of all the, the steps that showed this loving worship to one and one and only Jesus. So she showed that she was there for one reason, to honor Jesus with her devotion, and that there is nothing too good for the Lord. That was her display of love for her Lord, and Jesus affirmed it. He received it. So that brings us to our time here this morning. Point number four. True loving worship is displayed in communion. We're going to participate in the communion time here in just a moment. But communion is one of the most important times in your life as a believer. We do it once a month. And a lot of people in our day and age, in, in the church in America, kind of say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's okay. But, you know, a lot of times they just prefer to worship in their own way. No. That's wrong. There needs to be corporate worship, corporate loving worship. And this is where we center in on what Christ accomplished for us on a regular basis. And so, this is loving worship. That we remind ourselves, letter A, of Christ and His perfect loving sacrifice. We've got to just keep reminding ourselves of that. Because I'm prone to wander. You're prone to wander off that. I want to encourage us. It's a simple verse. But let's never forget 1 John 4.19 where it says, We love, why? Because He first loved us. He first loved you. You didn't go searching after Him. He first loved you with His gift of salvation. His gift of atonement. And again, my friend, if you are here and you don't uh, see that as important or necessary, we, we plea with you. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're here for a reason. And it's not your job first. 
You're here for a reason, to honor and glorify your Creator, and you do that through faith in Jesus Christ. He came to die for your sins. He's the substitutionary sacrifice for you. And until you acknowledge that and bow before Him as Lord and Savior, you're still on your own and you're still under the wrath of God. So, we call for faith in Jesus Christ alone. So, letter A is really about Christ being exalted and lifted up in our time of communion as our Savior, as our Redeemer, as the perfect sacrifice. Letter B, we remind ourselves of what we need in communion. What is that? I need blessing. No, the blessing is when I humble myself and confess my sins to God and I forsake them. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. I need to confess and forsake my sin, turn away from it, acknowledge it, identify it and acknowledge it. And in doing so, when I remind myself of what I need in humbling myself and drawing near and examining my own heart and asking the Lord to search my heart, I look up to Him as my Lord. Oh Lord, You're the only one that can do this. Please help me. Help me to draw near. Let her see. We receive and rely on His truth and His grace. When we come to communion, we want to turn from these, you know, remind ourselves of who He is, what He's done. Remind ourselves of what we need, but recognize my need for His truth and His grace for my daily walk. So today, tomorrow, through the week, saying, Lord, I need your truth and your grace. That's what Christ came, John chapter 1, He came full of truth and grace. We need both. It's not just I, I, need, I need the truth and the knowledge of the Word. I need both, the truth and grace that balances things out, if you will. And Christ was full of truth and grace. You and I? Nope. But keep going, my friend brother and sister in Christ, keep growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. 2 Peter 3.18 And in doing so, I acknowledge that He's the provider and the sustainer of my very life. We need to stand on His promises. Letter D. Then let's read in communion. Let's rejoice in the God of our salvation. Philippians 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. There's a very... Um, I just I got captured by this lyric in this song. I want to share it with you. And it's the chorus of a certain song called My Worth Is Not in what I own. And it says this. The cor here's the chorus of this song. I rejoice in my Redeemer. Greatest treasure. Wellspring of my soul. I will trust in Him. No other. My soul is satisfied in Him alone. And I, I hope that that can be true of you. I want it to be true of me. Is He my greatest treasure? Is He your greatest treasure? You've got, we, we have things climbing at us all the time to be the top dog of your heart. Let's admit that. Let's recognize it, identify it, and admit it. And say, Lord, you will make known to me the path of life. Psalm 16. In your presence is fullness of joy. And in your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So as I rejoice in the God of my salvation, I am acknowledging Him as the true joy, the true delight of my life. 
So let's continue with loving worship. If you have your elements, let's uh, prepare ourselves and take the little baggie and we'll start with the bread. And just in these few moments right now, just be praying, preparing your heart, asking God to lead you in this time by His Spirit. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, what a great God you are. Lord, thank you for um, helping us to learn more about loving you. Lord, we have failed many, many, many times. But Lord, your love is everlasting. And Lord, you have demonstrated your love to us. And while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. And so that love stands. That love is not shaken. Whereas our love is very weak. Dear Lord, help us to grow to love You more by being in Your Word and by truly lovingly worshiping You. Thank You for this time of communion to remember what Jesus did for us. Help us, Lord, to have a humble heart right now and a thankful heart in receiving these elements. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've never shared this passage before uh, in communion time, but I think it's very appropriate. It's from Psalm 18. And the psalmist says this, Listen. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. And if you don't connect that to what Jesus did, then you've you got a gap here. You must connect that to what Jesus did to be the psalmist's rock that He can stand on in the midst of the storm. To be the fortress for your life against the enemy. To be the deliverer from Pharaoh and his army. So, we must join in with the psalmist to say, I love you, O Lord. My strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I'm saved from mine enemies. I truly believe we can then transition very easily to 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when He was betrayed and led off to crucifixion, took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake. Very carefully, just open up your your juice cup. 
you have trouble, just ask somebody to help nearby, maybe. How was Israel delivered from Egypt? It wasn't because of Moses. It wasn't because of their own strength and their own courage to get up and go. It's for one reason and one reason only. The blood on their doorposts. That's their deliverance. And you have no deliverance on your own. No deliverance from the justice and wrath of God. You have none. Except for Jesus. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? And a large part of that is, is symbolized right here as we partake of this. We, we don't just kind of swish it around in our mouth and spit it out. We consume it. And that's what we do in regards to faith. You receive Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. In the same way, also, Christ took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until what? Until he comes. My friend, he's coming again. He is. He is coming again. And so our life needs to be in, in line with his work of sanctification He's preparing you for heaven. Let's be praising Him and worshiping Him. Um, we're gonna, I'm gonna. I want you to stand, and uh, I want to read this again, and then we're going to sing a closing song. Let's stand for the reading of God's word as we wrap this up. I have no problem in reading this again. Psalm 18. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. I hope that you'll uh, just sing this with all your heart. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship. soul rejoice 
take joy, my King, in what you hear, and may it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Thanks for coming this morning. And let's go in the joy of the Lord to love and serve Him. There'll be a couple right up front here. If you need prayer or uh, encouragement or talk to someone about these things, please come forward and and they'll meet you and and greet you up here. Uh, Let's close with a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, uh, for loving us. Help us, Lord, to uh, go out here today in a way that shows that we love you. And Lord, uh, we can't do this in our own strength. And we, so we thank you and praise you for your, your sustaining grace, your strength, your spirit, helping us to live for you and honor you and worship you. Lord, we praise you. And bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you and you're dismissed.